Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. In nearly 20 states now, recreational cannabis is legal. And as of June 2021, that includes New Mexico. So private industry is months away from launching storefronts and sales across the state. We are taking a look at what legalization of recreational cannabis means in New Mexico and also a look at the long process leading up to it. We start with someone here at KRQE who has spent hours covering this topic from the beginning. Our special guest joining us here today is Curtis Segarra. He is an investigative data reporter with KRQE News 13. Curtis, you've read the bill, you've talked to the experts. I just wanted to ask you to begin with, what is your overall impression of the state of this industry right now? Well, of course, it's a brand new industry here for our state. So the overall impression is that we're trying to get it up and going. Everyone from legislators to business owners are trying to figure out exactly how this is gonna work. Um, and everyone's kind of in the same boat of kind of feeling their way through this. So it's an exciting time. Not a lot of us have read the entire bill um, and this was a long, you know, long process. What can people in New Mexico do now since, you know, the end of June that wasn't legal before in New Mexico? The biggest thing is that cannabis, of course, is now legal. That is for adult users aged 21 and older. Um, There are, of course, some limitations on that. Uh, For purchasing, when it does become available for sale at a retail level, uh, it's not there yet, but when it gets there, the maximum purchase amount will be two ounces. You will be able to have more than that inside your home, although there are some slight caveats to that we can talk about later. Um, And you're also able to grow it inside your home. Uh, As of now, um, there are limitations. You can grow up to six mature plants per person with a maximum within a household of 12 total mature plants. Um, But those are the big, uh, the big things that I think people need to know. I wanted to break out that, that personal production part of it. You mentioned that people can grow this in their own home now. What does personal production look like? You had mentioned there's that plant count, but what else is there? It really means kind of what it sounds like, that this is kind of for personal use. Um, there is some language in there that kind of is saying you, you can't really sell it. Um, they don't want people growing this in their home and then kind of running a business out of their home. They do have separate kind of retail licenses and micro producer licenses for that kind of operation. Um, so this is really growing for personal use. Like I said, uh, six mature plants plus six immature plants um, with a maximum of 12 per household. Uh, You can keep all of the cannabis that you grow within your home if it's legally grown, but over that two ounce limit I talked about earlier, you can still keep it within your home. And the state does want you to keep these plants out of sight within your home. So uh, you're not really supposed to keep them right in front of an open window and be kind of advertising them. Okay, so what about just when you're out in public? Can people use? Can they smoke cannabis anywhere now? What about parks, gyms, schools, when it comes down to those public places? I think the easiest way to think about it is to think about it in terms of what we can and can't do with alcohol now. So you can smoke it at home, just like you can drink alcohol at home legally if you're of age and it's legally obtained. Uh, You can't smoke out in public. Um, You know, the bill is very clear about that. Uh, You can't smoke at work if your workplace prohibits it. Um, The bill allows 
private property owners and business owners to say it may be legal within the state, but you cannot smoke it on my property. So if you're on someone else's private property, you need to ask them, you need to be clear on what their rules are. Um, But at home, you are free to smoke it. So this is one I know that you had said you've heard about since the law went into effect. Medical marijuana places, they're still available uh, for medical marijuana users to go to, right? But there have been a lot of customers thinking, oh, now that the law has taken effect, they can just waltz right into a medical marijuana place and, and purchase recreational cannabis. That is not true, right? You, you can't just go into a medical marijuana place and do the recreational thing here, right? You cannot. Um, you're absolutely correct in that medical marijuana is kind of a separate thing. Um, the state wanted it to be separate. They had it as a separate consideration when they were putting this together uh, because they wanted to make sure that those that needed it for medical purposes had plenty of supply, that the demand did not outstrip the supply. Um, so the medical marijuana program you know, has existed in New Mexico for quite some time now. Medical uh, sales locations can continue selling just as they have for, uh, for years, but not to the general public like you mentioned. Um, now the DOH, the Department of Health, will do yearly reports on kind of the state of the medical cannabis industry to make sure that there is still adequate supply as this develops. So that leads us to the next thing, which is still missing, which is the retail portion of this, right? Um, we haven't really seen retail sales, storefronts popping up just yet. When does that start happening in New Mexico and how will that work? The law says that retail sales have to begin no later than April 1st of next year. That's 2022. Um, And retail license processing, that means, you know, doing the paperwork, starting to get that process going. Um, The regulators must begin doing that by January of next year. Um, But it's not entirely clear when, that'll happen in terms of being done. It could be done a little earlier than than the deadline, but that's the latest that it might happen. The Cannabis Control Division, which is a state-led uh, agency, is currently in the rulemaking process. They've been doing some public hearings, and uh, I think they'll keep developing those rules. They're trying to be pretty speedy with this. They know that people want it and will be working towards it very quickly. I know there's a lot of rules and things that you know people are still figuring out and um I just wanted to ask what maybe some of our listeners might be wondering too, is like, who's going to be enforcing this? I know this is probably, you know, a topic we'll talk about in later episodes, but I'm just curious, what have you heard so far about, you know, who is enforcing the plant count, things like that? At the highest level, the enforcement uh, falls under the state's regulations and licensing department. They have a specific new uh, part of that called the Cannabis Control Division, and they went through a hiring spree to kind of get new people in. They want to make sure lots of voices are represented, um, minorities and business owners and locals, to really make sure they have input on this, um, both rulemaking and enforcement uh, process. Um, but then it's also going to come down to, uh, you know, police officers and uh, public safety officers. They're going to have a role in this as well, of course, just like they do with enforcing alcohol rules. Do you get a sense of, of maybe what is the biggest lift that has to happen before this bill takes effect? Is there anything that you have your eye on? You know, I think right now the biggest lift, and and I've heard it on the street from uh, potential or would-be business owners, is really getting those rules figured out. And that will fall to the Cannabis Control Division. Uh, Like I said, they're currently holding public meetings to make sure they do it quickly, but 
correctly. They don't want to overlook things or only hear certain voices. They want to make sure it's inclusive and they can really work through those rules efficiently. Um, so I know a lot of business owners are currently trying to figure out how exactly some of those details are going to work um, and how how they're going to get those licenses. So I think that's the biggest step. Of course, once that happens, that's when retail sales begin. So I think that'll be the big signifier that this is really happening. Have you heard or do you know how well attended these public meetings have been? Are people aware of them? I think the, the Cannabis Control Division and the state regulations and licensing department have done a good job kind of publicizing them. Um, I don't know how many people have attended those public meetings, but I do know that they have a very long list of people that have applied to work for the Cannabis Control Division. Like I said, they're trying to hire lots of different people and uh, they made that list public and it's fairly extensive. So I think they're they're receiving a lot of input. Is there anything else that you think you know people should kind of keep an eye on or be aware of as we're all getting used to this new legislation, this new way of life in New Mexico with recreational cannabis? Well, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, we talked about the state rules, but local um, regulators can impose their own kind of specific uh, adjustments to those rules. Specifically, that'll come down to retail and where and when shops can and can't operate. Um, but in terms of general use, uh, I think the state rules stand pretty well. And it sounds like Albuquerque was maybe one of the first municipalities to at least propose some of that rulemaking. Can you tell us how that went? Yeah, Albuquerque has um, has kind of been ahead of the curve in terms of getting people talking about uh, how this will work, where businesses can operate, how it's going to work with um, the regulations. And, uh, you know, I think people had a lot of different opinions on that. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth, but that's really the way it's supposed to be when we're, when we're working through a new industry and uh, we don't want one voice making all the decisions and the state didn't want one voice making all the decisions. So I, I spoke with some folks at the regulation and licensing, licensing department and they really thought that it was good that people were uh, having some heated discussions about the topic. And it sounds like the city has since, at least, at least under this mayoral administration, Mayor Keller's administration sort of abandoned that effort. Initially, there were quite a few kind of restrictive uh, proposals that would limit signage, for example, or where and when businesses can operate. Um, and they definitely rolled back uh, some of those restrictions after hearing public comment from uh, both public and other politicians. And so now it has ease, although there are some restrictions on top of the state law that are specific to Albuquerque. All right. Curtis, where can people uh, find out more about you? Well, you can always find me at krqe.com. I have lots of articles up there about uh, some of these specific rules, um, local rules specific to Albuquerque, and just general stuff related to this new law. So how did we get here? Some people will say after a special session passing the bill this year, wow, this went so quickly. But of course, if you follow the news, this has been years in the making. One man definitely stands apart and would disagree that this idea was a quick one. Senator Gerald Ortiz Pino, a Democrat out of Albuquerque. Senator, you've been talking about this for a really long time, trying to legislate this for years. I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but could we consider you the godfather of cannabis legislation here in New Mexico? Maybe maybe the baptismal sponsor, I think Cisco McSorley, my, my colleague, actually was at it before I even got into the legislature. Will allow individual patients to go to their doctors and let it be done through their doctors. First, the effort was around medical. 
And of course, that was just as illegal as, as recreational in those days. And when we passed the medical, which I think was in 2007, and it began being used more widely and more overtly, I think a lot of people began saying, you know, this is not really the demon drug that it's been made out to be. This is something that helps people relax, helps people go to sleep at night, helps people with their appetite problems. There were lots of issues that medical cannabis was used for. And it was really a history of the war on drugs and particularly of the disproportionate implementation of that war that hammered minorities. And it just dawned to me, we're, we're creating more problems with this crazy war on drugs then we're solving. If the use is widespread, any any self-respecting teenager in this city today who wanted to get a hold of cannabis could get a hold of it in, I would imagine, within an hour. And so it, it's ludicrous to say, well, our laws are preventing this drug from falling into the hands of our youth. If they want it, they can get it now. But we're not regulating it, so we don't know if it's laced with dangerous things. We don't know who's getting the profit from it. It's not the state of New Mexico, and it's not going for anything that we need to have done here in the state. So that's when the idea started coming that we should legalize. And, and of course, we tried a couple of bills and were immediately told you can't do that because it's federally illegal. By the time we started introducing it, uh, Governor Martinez was the governor, and, and she'd made it very clear as a former prosecutor that she was not going to tolerate any use of this. I believe that it is a crime to possess marijuana. We do have medical marijuana program that is successful and is, is doing what it should be doing. So we had to go the constitutional amendment route. Colorado had already legalized it by that time. It was clear that um, other states were gearing up to do it. I thought, well, this would be fairly quick. You know, we're right next to Colorado. We can take a look at the border and see what the consequences have been. Let's just do it. I was reading back at previous news articles and pretty much right after Colorado legalized cannabis, you've been saying New Mexico should follow suit. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that and what were those initial conversations like when you approached fellow lawmakers? Basically, most of my opposition, I have to say, came from conservative Democrats rather than from Republicans. From the very beginning, there were libertarian Republicans. You know, remember Gary Johnson was all for legalizing all drugs back in the late 90s. I have done this in my past. I know of people who have done this. I know of people that still use drugs today. I don't consider them to be criminals. There was that strain within the Republican Party, and there were a few Senate Republicans who were all for it as well. But conservative Democrats were worried about two things. Uh, one was this a gateway. If you start legalizing this, God only knows soon you'd be wanting to legalize heroin and cocaine and methamphetamine and God only knows what. The other thought was, oh, well, I know it's not dangerous and I know a lot of people are using it. But I got to tell you, there are people in my family who have drug problems, not necessarily marijuana. You know, they may be addicted to some other drug, opioids or heroin or something else. And I don't want to send the wrong message that it's okay. It was just personal, almost prejudice that we had to get past. There were no real policy issues. Then it started being, well, this is way too complex for us to regulate. The police can't tell if somebody is, you know, they, they can't do a blood alcohol test. And so they won't be able to tell if somebody's driving impaired. You'll issue licenses to these multinationals and they'll come in and control and, and local people will be squeezed out. All sorts of objections started getting raised. But the bottom line was more and more people wanted it and the polling was stronger. Every time we did a poll, it was stronger. Even in conservative parts of the state down in the southeast corner, 
completely supported by Democrats, less so, but still a majority of Republicans even said, let's stop playing the silly game of saying it's illegal when everybody has it. But it sounds like you're saying it's not really party politics that kept this legislation from passing all these years. Uh, although this year it did turn into a party, uh, unfortunately. I mean, the crazy thing is that we we had that, that bipartisan effort in the regular session and with lots of input from a, from a cadre of, I don't think any House Republicans, but there were three or four Senate Republicans, uh, Senators Pirtle and Moores, even Senator Brandt said, I'll do this as long as you dedicate some of the tax money to education, or if you raise it to 25 years, because we think brain development is still going on until you're 25. There was not outright opposition. There were still suggestions for how it might be improved. Uh, the big battle with the Republicans wound up being the special session itself. Good evening. In 14 hours, state lawmakers will be back in Santa Fe for a special session. Their main priority is legalizing recreational marijuana. If we had done it during the regular session, we would have had probably three or four Republican votes. But when it became a special session just for the purpose of cannabis, that then put them in a really awkward position of having to say, well, this is so important to us that we'll vote for it in a special session. And so we lost all that support. Then uh, I don't think uh, Senator Engel did us any favors when he passed his amendment saying no sitting legislator can can obtain a license. Basically, was what his amendment said. That put even some of our supporters in an awkward position. I know Senator Pirtle had been talking for a long time about how he would love to see cannabis cultivation in Chavez County where he has a farm. We came to the conclusion that legalization is coming. How can we do it in a way that's more responsible so we don't have the ne negative social impacts that Colorado and other states have had? So the bill passed. It is here now. And as we know of late June, the bill has become law. So there's the idea of marijuana tourism, tax funds for state and local governments, new businesses, more jobs. Out of everything that comes with this new bill, what will marijuana do most for New Mexico? I think the single biggest thing is our social justice component that included an expungement of records. I can't tell you how many people have, have, have said to me, I lost my college scholarship or I, I had to drop out of school because I got sent up for you know, 60 days for possession or I was busted. And so I can't get certain jobs. I have to, you know, if I'm honest on my job applications, I have to say I have this record. And so it's blocked my career. Lots of people kicked out of public housing for this. The list goes on and on and on of people whose lives have been seriously marred, not necessarily by cannabis, but by the prohibition against cannabis, just like during prohibition era for alcohol. Expungement basically does that. It makes it possible for you to say with perfect candor, I'm clean. And that will open the door for so many New Mexicans to employment, you know, certainly federal jobs, I don't know how that's going to work out. They, they, they may have their own set of records that we can't really expunge. But I think it's going to improve uh, the lives, the quality of life for so many New Mexicans, just that one little factor. I don't think the tax money for the state is going to be enormous initially. You know, the estimates were something like, I think, 30 or 40 million the first full year of collection. I mean, that's nothing to, to uh, you know, reject, but, but it's not going to solve any budgetary problems. It's not going to replace oil and gas, that's for sure. Royalties for oil and gas production have hit a new record. The state land office says nearly $110 million was earned in April for drilling on state trust land. But I think there's going to be a stimulation of the economy. 
by this. There's going to be a lot of new jobs created, which will have a ripple effect all through the economy. There's going to be construction as people build new dispensaries or remodeled buildings into production facilities as they buy vehicles for transport, as they do all sorts of things, gearing up for this, as they put in water and, and ventilation systems, as they train staff. There's just going to be lots and lots of activity economically generated by this. And the net effect is going to be positive for the state. Some counties, some county commissions, Otero County, for example, so, you know, started finding, oh, this is going to be so difficult for us to regulate. It's going to be, uh, you know, our police expenses are going to go up, not down. I, I don't know what they're talking about. I honestly don't. They will, have, they will be real if they, unless they so restrict the availability through their zoning that people have to go to the outskirts uh, out of town in order to have a dispensary. They should be realizing plenty of revenue from the gross receipts tax. If they have to add additional uh, sheriff's deputies or, or police uh, department personnel, they can do they, they should have ample money to do that. I'm hoping that it starts emptying some of their jails as well and it leaves the police free to do something more productive than than bus kids with uh, marijuana. Do you have any fears about what recreational cannabis will do for New Mexico? I think there, there's there's two things that we have to really be careful about. One is expectations are so high that we have to be careful not to overpromise. For example, cannabis tourism. Colorado is already a place where, where a lot of people go for cannabis. If Texas were to legalize, you could just kiss uh, uh, cannabis tourism goodbye because, you know, why why travel to New Mexico for, for something that you could buy at the corner dispensary? So that's one of the areas where I think we have to be careful about raising our our expectations so high that, that people get into the business and then they're just as not the clientele to make it sustainable. Um, the other is kind of the opposite, and that is the production will soar so rapidly that it outstrips demand. And then then you're, you're tempted to start, well, let's ship it to Texas where maybe it's not legal, but we can get a good price for it. And then that could cause all kinds of problems with the uh, the federal government and you know, interstate commerce and so on. You know, I, th I think it's good and I think it's great. And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that we have a, a, a real economic um, shot in the arm from it. And I'm hoping that a lot of lives are improved. And I'm hoping that, that it makes it more difficult, not less difficult to get kids hooked on more potent drugs. Senator, I just wanted to ask you one question that people might just be curious about and you can share or choose not to share. But do you have any personal experience with cannabis that you'd wish to share with us? I do. In 1972, we're coming up on the uh, 50th anniversary of the last time I, I, I took a joint. But a lot of my friends used to, you know, we, we'd get around talking or listening to music and pass the joint around. I'm not sure if I will try it again. I'm sure when it's legal, you know, people have people over and, and somebody passes uh, brownies around. I'll, I'll, I'll probably try that in, in the safety of my own home. A special thanks to Curtis Segarra and Senator Ortiz Pino for being a part of this episode. We'll be covering several other topics surrounding recreational cannabis in the weeks ahead. If you'd like to hear us cover something, let us know. You can reach me via email at gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com or on Twitter at gburknm. I'm also Chris McKee TV on Twitter, and you can reach me on email. That is chris.mckee at krqe.com. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you.